An often eccentric, almost carefree summer. Fertility has dropped worldwide at the same rate as sperm count has declined. How panicked should I be about this? Are your erections rigid enough for intercourse? Certainly sperm counts are falling. So there is a reason to be concerned. There'd be a lot to produce in here. The most important cause is the chemicals in our environment that can affect our body's natural hormones. So we get kicked out. If they are like everywhere, you are exposed to it again and again and again. Hydroxychloroquine. It's like, what is in all this stuff? Why do you need all this stuff? I think what we need now is outrage because the things that we're exposed to, we didn't ask for. Our As clickbait headlines warp our view of the world, we're going down the rabbit hole to ask, how afraid should we really be? On this episode, a looming spermageddon. Epidemiologists have found humans across the globe are becoming increasingly less fertile. After finding Western men are only half as fertile as they were just 40 years ago. There's certainly going to happen more and more men having trouble having children. There's been a lot of buzz over the years about a supposed spermageddon, but I haven't really paid much attention to it until recently. Look at that. Hey, stop it. My significant other and I recently became other parents, which sometimes feels like a test from fatherhood. But for a generation who put up raising kids to nurture careers, the spermageddon scenario seems apocalyptic. For like a long time, we were taught, don't have a baby. Then you'll ruin your life. And then now that we're in our 30s and we're thinking about having a baby. It's scary to think like, what if we can't? I arranged to sit down with Dr. Swan, who recently published a book encapsulating her many decades of research on fallen sperm counts and declining reproductive health. What has been the trend of sperm count in the last couple of years? Over the last basically 40 years, sperm count has dropped at a little bit faster than 1% per year. It went from 99 million sperm in a milliliter to 47, so that's half. It's still a lot of sperm, people will say, 47 million, but when you get below 40 million per milliliter, then you start having trouble conceiving. With such terrifying reports, I scheduled a urology appointment to definitively check my sperm count for the sample I would provide. As part of the process, I could fill out a very personal questionnaire. During sexual intercourse, how often were you able to maintain your erection after you had penetrated, entered your partner? And then we were off to the doctors with a little bit of anxiety. I have an entire crew here learning a lot about my team. It's a little weird to keep this an example of my colleagues throughout the group. So hopefully I don't have any you know, performance anxiety. Hi, how are you? I'm here to meet with Dr. Kurgan. No, I was going to produce here. There's some videos here. As I filled out more forms, I noticed several anxious couples in the waiting room. Well, this was kind of a fun experiment for me. This was some serious business for them. Hey, how are you? Good. I finally met Dr. Kurgan, who gave me a brief tour around the office. This is, uh, you know, just thank you notes and season greetings of a lot of couples that have been helped with fertility. This is anecdotal, but I found that women, when they give birth, they're super grateful and they send emails and they just 
my sample that would give me the clearest picture of my reproductive health, I remembered what Dr. Swan had warned me about. While I could choose to not have my insidi, other threats of my sperm help me completely out of my control. What is talking about sperm? For me, the most important cause is the chemicals in our environment that can affect our body's natural hormones. And they are everywhere in our daily lives. Dr. Swan is referring to endocrine disrupting chemicals or EDCs, which interfere with the body's ability to make hormones. They can be devastating for sperm production, which uses the male sex hormone, testosterone. EDCs that trouble Dr. Swan are the non-persistent chemicals that get washed out of their bodies, like phenyls, and a class of chemicals used to make plastic more flexible called phthalates. Even though these chemicals wash out of our body quickly, they wreak havoc on both the male and female reproductive systems because they are everywhere in modern life. They could be including products, shower curtain liners, air fresheners, non-stick cookbook, ATM receipts, and all over our food. 
Blue is probably your major source of exposure. Phthalates are not chemically bound to plastic. They leak when they are warm, particularly. So if that head of lettuce was wrapped in plastic, was sitting in a hot truck, being transported, those phthalates could come into the lettuce. But if they wash out, what effect would this really have on my spermicide? We are worried about chronic exposure to phthalates because if they are like everywhere, you will be exposed to it all the time. So it doesn't matter like if your body is able to wash it out, you're exposed to it again and again and again. A Reba Lyon studies how phthalates affect behaviors in children. After we looked over the classic on our table, Irene showed me an article that outlined new regulations on phthalates. It's about the companies that decided voluntarily to replace one phthalate with another one. DIMP for DHP, and we don't know about, about DIMP. And eventually DIMP could be replaced by PIMP, right? Exactly, or something else. Like for example, the same thing that they did with each other. I wanted to see how many EDCs are hiding in plain sight. So we very discreetly ditched our camera for a cell phone, and Irene took me on a grill shopping spree. I think we can now film everything, because yeah, now we, we look at it as anywhere. It's in, in the top of the another camera. Well, it was expected the evening to be a slam dunk with reactions like this. Probably, probably. Uh, yeah. In reality, it was very confusing. It's so funny. Well, what am I looking for? That's good to see. DHT, NYDT, We finally found one product that listed a phthalate in the super small print. DHP is a phthalate? Well, we found a ton of products using the catch-all term fragrance. Fragrance may contain, what does it mean may contain? It may contain up to like 20 or 30 percent of phthalates. Wow. And we found a lot of parabens, a preservative that can also disrupt hormone production. Later, we went to a grocery store where Irene took note of all the food and plastic wrap that could be made of phthalates. This one, this one, yeah. Like this one turned out as everywhere, even on the mushrooms. So, this wrapping. Potentially could be. Well, we found several examples.
Center's free, I was a little disappointed by how ambiguous all of these products are in their process and environment. You can find ton of phthalates in the entire network. That leaves question mark, and that, that's not necessarily the fit. The question mark is necessarily the need that's there.
looks like a busy New York City street right now. It looks like everybody's just going to work. What I've been reading about is going to council for the last four years. Have you seen that firsthand? Well, yeah.
just still trying to make it right through, but how you gonna change it? How you gonna make this girl you got? How you gonna work the next time in your life? Just for the first day of So I felt really betrayed by them. So I took them like that. Look at me. Mr. Barrow introduced me to Shakespeare, which was a life changing for me. I had to be off school for three months, so I failed most of the practice.
site in Maryland Heights. This happened just before 2.30 this morning. Four cars were hit at the Elmwood Hotel. Then less than a mile away, four more cars broken into at the Homewood Suites. All of those cars had their back passenger windows smashed out. Then in the garage area of the Hollywood Casino, six cars broken into. Not clear just yet if those break-ins are connected. on Fox, the search is on for a man who walked into a Jefferson County gas station armed with a machete. Bomberine Automotive Group Sky Fox was over the scene this afternoon as the search began in a wooded area. Now, Fox 2's Zara Barker has been in High Ridge for several hours and joins us where this all started. Zara, we understand the search is still underway. Vic, that search is still underway. Now, they have dialed down some of the search efforts. Instead of a manhunt that was happening earlier this afternoon, they have dialed it back just a little bit. I want to point out where I am now. All of this started more than six hours ago right here at this gas station. On a typical weekday afternoon, this two-lane House Springs Highway is usually just home to rush hour traffic. But Tuesday, deputies... consider this a very special place called cockpit country which is regarded as the last remaining wilderness area in jamaica we have been occupying here as free people developing sustaining our livelihoods nesting ourselves within the landscape living with nature and therefore we are going to stand resolute in protecting it Government wants to mine bauxite, which happens to be in cockpit country. We have to figure out how we proceed from here as a group. The people here, all we know is about farming. For people have to eat. If we stand here and ignore the consequences of bauxite, we have nothing to turn to. It's not only that mining will destroy the livelihoods of the people, we will have to go. I'm sure Noranda and the government is strategizing. Prime Minister must hear the people. We elect a government to protect us. They go in partnership with people who have an interest in destroying us. And they join with the enemy. If you're going to destroy our environment, you're going to destroy what is our bread and butter. How do we stop your bread and butter? How do we slow you down? We must look at this as a united front. We have to think and see who here are the greatest losers overall. Is it going to be us or the government or Naranda? Are you hearing everybody talk about stocks and crypto these days and you want to get in on it, but you have no idea where to start, where to go, what to do? 
We are Craig and Tiffany from High Season, and we felt exactly the same. Now, look, we've been hearing about Wealth Simple everywhere, and we finally decided that it's about that time that we opened our very own account. Let's get started. Okay, first things first, download the app. It's available on both iOS and Android, so everyone can get involved. Next thing we're going to do is set up our account. So we just need to enter our details. Set up a passcode for quick access, and we're good to go. Wow, that was too easy. Like, way too easy. Okay, so we are in, and it looks like we can buy and sell thousands of stocks and ETFs on major Canadian and U.S. exchanges, not to mention cryptocurrency. And we pay zero commission on our trade, so that's just more money in our digital pocket. I am here for it. Now, we can also choose from a personal account, an RRSP, or a TFSA. What do we want to do? I'm thinking we do TFSA so we can take advantage of those tax-free games. Ooh, sweet, sweet games. Now, because there's no account minimum, we can actually get started with as little as $1. The simplest process ever. Can we just get to trading? Download the Wellsimple Trade app, get your first stock for free, and start building your portfolio today. When people think of Jamaica, they typically think tourism. But there's another huge part of the economy, and that's bauxite mining, which is where aluminum comes from. Mining has been happening here for decades, but it's taken a toll on the land and the people. We're right across the street from a bauxite export facility, and we're here in the community to see what people think about it. The company over there is in Naranda Bauxite. Every time when the ship come in and they are loading the ship, the dirt come over and it is pollute up the entire place. Noranda is uh, like a billionaire. They own everywhere. Being that we've been in bauxite for more than 50 years, the benefit is not laid back to us, makes no sense. They're just taking away people and all over the place. I don't know where Jamaica is going. The guy is in a bad shape and we are not making money from it. We are losing. On a long-term basis, the whole country been damaged. They are just here to rip off poor people and take over their land. Here's a lucky young lady planning her vacation to Jamaica. Yes, Jamaica is a perfect vacation spot. But Jamaica now is doubly important 
important to the whole free world, because here has been discovered bauxite, the ore from which aluminum is made. In 1952, Reynolds Meadows sent the first shipment of Jamaican bauxite to the U.S., and by 1957, Jamaica had become the world's leading exporter of bauxite, shipping out roughly 5 million tons each year, creating an economic boom for the small Caribbean island. More aluminum for the nation's defense, and more aluminum for all your needs. From the vacation land of Jamaica. Today, the bauxite industry has shrunk to less than 3% of Jamaica's economy, providing less than 5,000 jobs, but the government has budgeted over $100 million to expand the industry through 2023, raising concerns among the Jamaican people and environmentalists. Diana McCauley is the founder of Jamaica Environment Trust, an organization that tracks development projects in Jamaica and their impact on the environment. Why is bauxite such a big deal here in Jamaica? It's a big deal from many points of view. It's been an important plank of our economy. But we have never, in the entire years of the industry, paid attention to its impacts, to its costs. When you go into an area to mine, the bauxite is in the bottomlands. And it's bottomlands where also farming takes place. There have been impacts to communities who have had people moved out of the communities to allow the mining to take place. And if you talk to the farmers who've actually got land to farm that has, after bauxite has been mined, they will tell you there's very little it can grow. How does the bauxite industry in Jamaica impact the health of the folks living in these communities? Small particles uh, are, are harmful to respiratory health, from sinusitis to asthma to heart disease, depending on the size of the particles. Who is it that you're going to sacrifice? Which people are the ones that you're going to tell, look, you have to have the poor public health and your livelihoods disrupted and your landscape around you and your families moved out. Who are those people that are so expendable and can be sacrificed? The three biggest bauxite companies in Jamaica today are the U.S. company Naranda, the Russian company Wendalco, and the Chinese company Jisco, located in St. Elizabeth Parish, one of the most heavily mined regions on the island. Right now, we're driving into Nain to meet a local councillor who represents the residents here who have been complaining about the effects of the bauxite facility. And I can tell you now, as I drive along these roads, I see a whole lot of a red dirt. And Jesus, that's a monstrosity. Councillor Layton Smith represents 32 districts in St. Elizabeth, all of which are affected by bauxite mining. I'm seeing a large orange lake, and I see a facility in the distance. What, what is that? Facility, they're looking at over there. That is the, the bauxite company itself. And they take this dirt into the plant, and then they produce it into alumina. So all the waste from, the, from, it, from through the, all of their procedure come down here. This lake that you see here in front of you, I've got miles of it. These are the disposable area. When it dries, the wind blow the dust from off the lake into the community, into the atmosphere. All the chemical that is in it went out with the dust in the area. We 
went to the community of Warminster to meet with some of the people who live close to the mud lake. Life can change in an instant. With 79.5 million displaced people and refugees, your help will make a big impact so the most vulnerable children in the world can survive, recover, and build a future they deserve. Your dust. You have all of your clothes in the suitcase to yes. protect them? Yes. You have to protect them inside here. Dust side do my place. You can't hear, sir. That's the dust. Pile up the whole of my music. There is nothing making can do if you stop it, us. So this is your tank? Yes. Where your company give it. The bauxite company gave you this? Yes, we store water for them pile the tank. So then give you this. It's not. The food them is no use. They no sweet nor nothing. It cast it does blow up on it. Acid, from the mud lake, burn it up. But you don't know what we do with your structure. You're a sick man, a high blood pressure, sharpness. When then those are blow you out, you kill me. All of this dust, where is it coming from? From the mud lake. The mud lake here. Yes. yes. The dust went on the top of the house and it go into the gutter when rain fall. It send the water into the gutter, into the tank. Look at look at the water here right now. And the second on the top there. Mm -hmm. You can see the, the dust on the water top. On the top of the water there's the dust. On the top of the water right now. So so is this is this the water that you drink and yeah. bathe with? Yeah. Because we don't have any black drum. So we got to use this one. Show you the condition of our place. Sit there. Yes, so the driver, they sit there. Mm. What blow off the Monday? Monday. You, this is just in one day. Yeah, one day. How long we gonna live in this environment and live in this situation? And then when time the chemical blow now and you come you here, you fall out, you cut off it, you know? We are living in hell. And, and as long as the, the Prime Minister, Mr. Andrew Holness, don't involve in a situation, we're going to die in it for the rest of our life. Prime Minister Holness positions himself as a climate leader on the world stage. We are partnering with others to ensure that our marine environment, on which our socioeconomic survival depends, is being sustainably utilized and managed. But it's not just the tourism areas on the coast that need protecting. Inland, depleted bauxite reserves are pushing the government to move mining operations closer and closer to the most ecologically sensitive part of the island, known as cockpit country. Cockpit country has remained autonomous since formerly enslaved Africans and indigenous people, collectively known as Maroons, fought off the British in the 1700s and kicked their asses, resulting in a peace treaty that preserved their autonomy. Cockpit country has no emergency services, no hospitals, and no piped-in water. 
The people who live here continue to live off the land as they have for hundreds of years. But now, that autonomy is under threat. We are grateful to have finalized today the additional documentation that solidifies this mutually beneficial relationship and which provides us with a new mining lease that we expect will sustain our operation here for decades to come. Excuse me, brother. How you doing? I'm trying to get the, a compound. Stay road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. My man say, when you see the opportunity to turn, do not turn. Do not turn. Go straight. This his hood. What do you know when he said don't turn? I thought I'm taking it literally. That's Jamaican GPS. Cockpit country is represented by a council of four Maroon chiefs the youngest being Chief Richard Curry, who was elected after running on a campaign to protect cockpit country from bauxite mining. From the youths of the Maroon community, island-wide, we're in support of no mining in the cockpit country. He lives in the village of Akampong, which was a Maroon stronghold in the fight against the British. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, I, I'm looking for uh, Chief Richard Curry. Up in the oh, town. Up in the town. Then we'll go straight up. Chief? I don't think he's home right now. Chief Curry wasn't easy to find, so I just walked around the village looking lost until somebody took pity on me. Hey, do you know, do you, do you know where the chief is? Yeah. So where are we right now? What is this? So this is the birth ground of the revolutionary warriors who defeated the British to obtain a treaty in 1738. So these same stones that you're seeing here are those same stones that they will sit on. This tree is over 300 years old and still bears fruit today. How do you connect this fighting spirit of your ancestors to what it is that you're doing in the fight against bauxite mining? We've always maintained the culture, maintained the heritage, maintained the land. We've never walked away from the legacy that we knew our ancestors left for us. Mm -hmm. It is us who should lead that stand in defense of the territory. Right? These are our lands. Le vent tourne. Prêt pour le virage vert? Renseignez-vous sur les nouveaux fonds Fidelity Leadership Climatique auprès de votre conseiller. Une autre possibilité de multiplier les occasions financières pour vous, votre famille et votre avenir avec Fidelity Investments. How important is this rain that we're feeling right now to this community? It's a blessing because right now everybody tank can get some water, everybody crop can get some water. So when rain does come, it's like always this. a blessing. It's a like blessing. This. this rain always, is a blessing. Always a blessing. 
The rainfall in the compound is actually a blessing for the entire island. That's because 40% of Jamaica's drinking water comes from cockpit country. And if mining were to take place here, that water source would be at risk. We're going to meet Susan Koenig of the Windsor Research Center, who's an expert in the ecology of cockpit country. So I guess it would stand to be that someone who studies ecology would need to live in a place where there's a lot of it. And this is such a place. What would the general effects be of bauxite mining in cockpit country? Everything about cockpit country revolves around the water. Yes. We have to worry not just about the water that we see above ground, but we also have to worry about all of the water that's below ground. Water is being held in the soils, and it's slowly, slowly, slowly percolating through. So even in the dry season, we always have our rivers flowing out of cockpit country. Mm -hmm. And so when bauxite mining comes in, they scoop out all of the dirt that's accumulated in the lowlands. The rain just pulses right through the system quickly during the rainy season. Okay. which means it's not stored on site to get us through the dry season. So we'll have water when it rains, mm -hmm. but that's not when we need our water. We need our water during the dry season when it's not, when it's raining. not raining. So where we are now um, is at the headwaters of the Martha Bray River. So this is crystal clear to drink. <sighs> yeah, that's better than Poland Springs. <laughs> This water is actually coming all the way from the other side of cockpit country. There's an area called Albert Town, and because we're only 100 meters above sea level here in Windsor, we're actually very low in the aquifer, all of that water has slowly, slowly filtered through. So if mining was a reality in Albert Town, which is far from here, mm -hmm. it would affect your water supply Absolutely. all the way here. Yeah, without it, without a doubt. Wow. Over in Albert Town, community leader Hugh Dixon has been active in the fight against bauxite mining for more than 25 years as head of the Southern Trelawney Environmental Agency, an organization dedicated to protecting cockpit country. This is the eastern side of cockpit country. We are over here. And what you're looking at here is, in yellow, is the boundary of the Cockpit Country Stakeholders Group. This came out of a commissioned study commissioned by the government of Jamaica. And the Prime Minister of Jamaica goes into the Parliament on the 21st of November 2017 and says, I will protect Cockpit Country. The wait is over. Today, we are announcing the areas to be designated as the boundaries of the cockpit country and the cockpit country protected area. We jumped. <laughs> that was it. But that was really this blue line that he selected. Well, it's kind of funny that that blue line don't match the yellow line. It doesn't match the yellow line. Here is...
I've always wanted to learn how to play piano, but I never had the time. And then I found this app, Simply Piano, and I've already learned so much. It shows you everything you Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. I have two of my colleagues who I highly, highly respect, and Director Bird from Winter Haven. He is the Director of Public Safety for not only the Police Department, but the Fire Department. If you find me calling him Chief, he said that's okay, because he was the Chief before he was the Director. And Chief Andy Ray, who I've worked with for many, many years, they epitomize what professional law enforcement is all about. They joined us as well as members of the Orlando Police Department and the Orange County Sheriff's Office to do our operation, Operation Child Protector. And once again, Child Protector is very important to us. It's very important to the community. Most importantly, it's important to the children who we saved. What you see on this board here, and I'm going to go over this individually, are deviants. October last year, just before the presidential election, we were... In the world of, you know, clicks and all the rest of it, you've got to come up with a clever little headline, a good little angle, and one has been coming up here and there for the past little while. I'm not picking on my mates at news.com.au, but apparently Western Australia was deeply offended when the Prime Minister said this. In the crudes, people wanted to stay in the cave. Some wanted to stay in the cave, and that young girl, she wanted to go out and, and live again and deal with the challenges of living in a different world. Well, COVID is a new, different world, and we need to get out there and live in it. We can't stay in the cave, and we can get out of it safely. That's what the plan does. Well, you just you meandered to an area I never in my life thought you would meander to. <laughs> so, to, just to be clear... Um, I like the movie. No. <laughs> that makes me relatable, doesn't it? Now, <laughs> Jenna Clark, <laughs> could you please, on the behalf of Western Australia, because I know that the Premier, he, he took to, uh, you know, the uh, very intimate format, uh, which definitely no staffer wrote whatsoever, of Facebook mm, to say, mm. this morning the Prime Minister made a comment implying Western Australians were like cave people. What an odd thing to say. Oh, stick it up, you jumper pal. Does it, okay, tell me the truth. Is that how this was actually interpreted in Western Australia? Look, I, Paul, we may have a lot of iron ore. Should this military-grade zoom lens be made illegal? This new gadget is basically a super telephoto lens for your smartphone. It's an incredible zoom lens that clips to your phone to take stunning shots from any distance. It can give you the most powerful zoom capabilities in just a simple smartphone. The zoom lens uses some of the most advanced telescopic technology in the world, called Box 7 Prism Optics. I've argued in the article that I wrote today in Sydney's Daily Telegraph, Brisbane's Korea Mail and the Gold Coast Bulletin. I didn't write the headline of the story. The editors headlined it, Suspension of Belief, Overlooking Facts and Failing to Have Proper Conversations. Now, in other words, I am arguing that what we are forbidden 
what we are prevented from telling you, which I believe you're entitled to know, but unless you toe the line, you're cancelled. For example, in that article I mentioned, the New Zealand Prime Minister, I've already referred to this, Jacinda Ardern, who this week urged New Zealanders to, quote, take all non-government information with a grain of salt, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. And that New South Wales Health Minister, who's become a health hazard, has said the same thing arrogantly and dismissively, arguing dismiss the ideas that aren't based on science or medicine. I mean, that's nonsense. On so many issues, science is never settled. Science is about testing theories, challenging received truths. There's no one science on climate change, coronavirus, vaccination or masks. Testing a plurality of views is what we should be doing. Are we saying in 2021 we should be denied those views? Jacinda Ardern says of her government, we'll continue to be your single source of truth. The United States president is telling big tech to get on side with government and censor voices the government doesn't like. This is nothing more than a crackdown on the free exchange of ideas. We are in deep trouble when the leader of the world's democracies, America, is instructing private companies to abridge the freedom of speech and of the press to the point where big private companies are acting...
we've spent more time than ever in our homes, and we need ways to balance work, family, and a healthy lifestyle. In this series, we're going to help you do just that by overcoming design challenges. I'm Kathy, and welcome to Sweet Space. The Foster family had barely closed the sale on their new home when they were blown away by an old law. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's ridiculous. Their move from Folsom to El Dorado Hills was just a matter of miles. But as far as the neighborhood agreement they just signed, they might as well have been worlds, or maybe I should say decades away. They're just really kind of awful uh -huh. and uh, racist and terrible. A few people we spoke with used similar words to describe Clause 13 of the Lake Hills CCNR. It's similar to a homeowners association agreement and leaves no room for misunderstanding. No person except those of the white Caucasian race shall occupy or reside upon any residential lot or plot in this subdivision except when employed in the household of a white Caucasian tenant or owner. And you have to sign off that you agree to these things. Some longtime Lake Hills residents were aware of the rule but didn't pay it any mind since there are non-whites in the neighborhood and there doesn't seem to be any effort to actually enforce that law. But the Fosters say that's not the point. It seems like we are talking about these viral videos of people of color dealing with calls to police for ordinary non-criminal things every day. In the past few days, stories surfaced about Native American students attending a college tour reported by a suspicious parent. A black grad student who fell asleep in a common area in her dorm reported by a white fellow grad student. And a group of friends who were detained by police while they were checking out of their Airbnb rental reported by a white neighbor uh, of the homeowner. And the Airbnb guests and their lawyer are calling on Rialto police to hold the caller accountable. Joining me now to discuss filmmaker Kelly Fife Marshall, activist and filmmaker Denisha Prendergast, and artist Komi Olafemihan, and their attorney Jasmine Rand. Good to have all of you with us uh, this morning. Good to be with this morning. Uh, so, Denisha, first, let's start here. This was uh, last Monday. I started collecting racist objects when I was a teenager, and the stuff was everywhere. At a certain point, I ended up with thousands of pieces. I didn't know what I would do with it. I just thought a lot about what it meant to be a person of color living during Jim Crow. Had no intention of creating a museum, but the collection kept growing. So in the 1990s, I gave my collection. in an instant. With 79.5 million displaced people and refugees, your help will make a big impact so the most vulnerable children in the world can survive, recover, and build a future they deserve.
So this is the binder I kept all my letters for my mom in. My dearest Teddy, you hate me. You never thought you could hate me more than you did yesterday. You're about to enter a school that will help you. I am crying as I write this. I am scared that you will never forgive me or understand that I am saving your life. XO, I love you, Mom. Yes, that was my mom and I had a first time she came to visit me and PC1, Parent Child Seminar 1. This is when she came this, to do a workshop this with is, you? Yeah, this is the first time she came to visit me. You look happy. Oh, it was, uh, it was very forced. This was a letter my mom wrote me on March 9th, 2006. You are not the same hoodlum we sent off to school. You are becoming a young man and the young man I always dreamed you would be. I am so proud of how hard you have worked to achieve this. It's frustrating because I know she didn't know the truth and that she was kind of falling for this act that I was putting on that I knew I had to put on. Growing up, Theo Charles says he struggled with anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. By high school, he was basically a runaway, crashing on friends' couches, using drugs, and harming himself. That's when his parents intervened. There was this knock at the door, and I remember I was kind of like looked at my mom because I was wondering, you know, who that might be. And it was these two really big people. And the first guy, he like, grabbed my wrist and slammed my arms against the counter. And next thing I knew, there was like a knee up against the back of my knee, and my knees were on the ground, and it all happened so fast. All the guy said is, you can do this the easy way or the hard way, but either way, you're coming with us. And Did you know where you were going or what was all. happening to you? Not at all. I remember waking up the next morning and just being so bewildered. You know, here I am, just, I don't know a soul. I have no direction. I just went through this insane experience of being kidnapped the night before. Theo was brought to Cross Creek in Laverkin, Utah, a tough love boarding school that cost thousands of dollars a month. It was part of a wide network of for-profit reform schools around the world that catered to desperate parents. Theo was just one of thousands of students who I went through the program at Cross Creek. Yeah, it's so funny because people are like, oh, you, you must have been so happy to be there. I'm like, clearly I had the smile. He's since connected with other alumni who are still trying to process what happened there. They shared materials from their time at Cross Creek with Vice News. I had just turned 13 years old. They did a full intake, cavity search. I had to strip naked. They, uh, you know, did this whole thing where they had you spread your legs and shake and then had a staff member march me to the showers. It was a male staff member, and um, so I had a supervised shower, which was also very traumatizing. Um, I remember the water being very cold. They took me to what was going to be my bedroom, and I went to bed. The days were wake up, do your chores. If they found a fuzz on the floor, you got a consequence. I was so afraid of doing something wrong all the time. They did have school. Um, school, which was mostly just kind of you go to a room and do independent study. What were the tactics that the staff used that you really remember? Shame was a big one. We had seminars. So every month we had a seminar we had to go through, which was three days of intense, grueling... Mindfuckery. Therapy. And by therapy, I mean... There is there. nothing in there that is evidence-based. They did rape reenactments on, on the girls that had been sexually abused before the program, and they would have a male staff come in and reenact the rape on the victim. And while that was happening, we were instructed to yell things at her like whore, slut, 
the whole program is based off of a break you down to build you back up mentality. Um, so literally to destroy you so that they could meld you into what they were needing you to be. Anytime they broke a rule, big or small, former students say they were punished, forced to be silent or put in isolation, sometimes for months. You're in a cement room with nothing. Technically, you were supposed to sit the entire time and be quiet. But of course, after a while, you start mentally breaking. So I would do things like sing. I would be restrained for that, um, you know, or try to like move around in my cell, get restrained for that. They also made sure to come in every single day and tell me that my parents cared so little about me that they knew how bad I was and they're choosing not to come pick me up. And that I had to live with knowing that, that nobody that I was forgotten, that nobody cared about me. It effectively breaks you. You lose your sanity, you lose hope. That's the big one, you just, Absolutely. you lose hope. And once that's gone, you know, just nothing. Cross Creek closed in 2012. The campus has since been sold and turned into a motel. Vice News spoke with more than a dozen former students whose stories echo what Sarah, Mary, and Theo describe, as do the accounts of numerous alumni who have posted their experiences online. Some former staffers we talked to support their allegations. Ian Demers was there at the same time as Theo. I guess I really wanted to believe that they were doing more good than harm. But when I left, I felt that they were doing more harm than good. How did you find this job? This was back when you would still pick up a job from the paper. Sunday Classified was searching through. It was listed as a youth detention center that was looking for counselors. What appealed to you about the job? There wasn't a whole lot of work. It, I think it was paying somewhere between 8 and $11 an hour. At that time, it would have been more money than I had ever made. And did you have any experience with children, with education? Like, absolutely none. I had no idea what I was getting into when I started that job. Not a, a bit of it. And what it became was far worse than what I thought it would have been. What did you see? Kids would be locked up by themselves for days without even being able to talk to anyone. Except their counselor and behind a closed door, and then they're not allowed to talk about anything that happens in there. Did you feel like you had to go along with it? I thought they must be licensed, right? They, mu they must have authority on some, like the state must come in and see this and deem this to be appropriate. Who am I, a 25 year old who hasn't made his way, doesn't have a high school diploma, who got a GED? What, who am I to tell anybody how they should be running anything? Vice News contacted several former executives associated with the program. They categorically deny all allegations of abuse and say the program was licensed by the state of Utah, citing that as proof they weren't doing anything wrong. It was a good program. It served thousands of kids over the years. And there's a the few disgruntled that didn't like their parents trying to help them. You think the people speaking out are a negligible percentage of the students that went through the programs? That went through Cross Creek, yep. But hundreds of students and their families who spent time at Cross Creek and associated programs alleged a range of abuses at these facilities in a legal fight that was ultimately dismissed. Over the years, similar programs have also faced lawsuits and investigations over allegations of physical and sexual abuse and the deaths of students in their care. 
but the industry keeps going, particularly in Utah, where reform schools are still operating and bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars every year. My name is Carly, and I'm a survivor. The demand for change inside these programs has gone viral. Survivors are now organizing as a movement called Breaking Code Silence, which got national attention when Paris Hilton went public with her experience at a Utah facility. I was not allowed to speak to or look at my peers. Staff verbally abused me, calling me for older names. This should never be said to a child. The pressure is working. Utah State Senator Mike McKell co-sponsored legislation he sees as a first step towards reform. It'll force more inspections and transparency about treatment methods. It's the state's first attempt to set new regulations for these programs in 15 years. So it's a much bigger industry than I ever realized. There's at least 100 facilities in the state of Utah. It creates 5,600 jobs. And we, we have more than a 1,000 kids that will cycle through these programs every single year. We have more programs than almost any other state in the nation. Do you think the size of the industry has anything to do with how little it's been regulated, how much money it's been bringing in? I, I certainly think that helps. I think, I think our oversight has been lacking. Given, you know, the stories that you've heard and some of what these, at this point, you know, hundreds if not thousands of students have said who have gone through these programs. Why not just shut this industry down? I, I think that's a fair question. I think that's a fair question. That's something that I wrestle with. And, and, I, and as I look at the industry, I ask myself, is there value to the industry? And, and to be completely honest with you, I'm not sure. I know there are kids that are helped in the state of Utah, but I know we've hurt a lot of kids as well. You have children. Would you send your children to one of these programs? No. app of infinite possibilities. Download today and get started. that guy you might have read about in Forbes and other financial magazines. I'm also called the Wall Street Wizard, the Millionaire Trader, and the nicest rich guy in the world. So why those names? Well, because I love money. As you can see, I make a lot of money. I'm very good at it. This is my own private jet. I'm just back from one of the many holidays I take every year all around the world. But I'm not your average jerk millionaire. I'm also a well-known philanthropist. I love to help people more than anything else. And I do this on a regular basis, or you might have read some articles about me before. This is how you probably ended up on this website today. Anyway, today is your lucky day. I'm about to transform you into my next success story. And no, I don't want anything in return. I don't need anything from you. If you read about me in Forbes, you know that I help people making a lot of money for free. 
I just need a few minutes of your time right now, and I will show you how you can make money like this. Do you see that? And these were regular people, just like you, with no particular skills, and I turned them into millionaires overnight. And no, they didn't have any money either. You can make this kind of money as much as $10,000 in a single day, starting today, for free. It's easy. Over 350 people to this date have already done that. So come with me, because I want you to be next. We ready, Tasha? Absolutely. After you. Thank you. code headquarters to show people for the first time on camera how regular people have been making millions yes millions of dollars thanks to a highly sophisticated piece of software executing calculations at speeds nobody has ever heard of before if you are struggling financially and you're looking for a way to get out of it fast without being asked anything in return please give me a few minutes of your time as we will be only showing this today, and it looks like this video won't be up for too long. Ever wondered why the rich keep getting richer? Do you want to know how some of the wealthiest people in the world, some of these guys here on Wall Street, and their rich and powerful friends make their money? Yeah, don't listen to what they tell you. Don't believe for a minute anything you have been told before. Can I have the laptop, Tasha? at the names on this list. Check out how much they are making per day. Anything between $10,000 to up to $100,000 per day. You can see why some of them, including myself, are able to afford their own private jet and the finest things in life. Now don't feel bad. I'm not showing you this to rub it in your face. None of these people are better than you. They're not smarter. They haven't studied harder. They don't come from rich families. They're just regular folks like you and I that happen to have only one advantage over you. They know about the quantum code. Oh, wait a second. I just got a message from one of the guys I shared the system I was telling you about with. Huh, look at this. Oh, wow, Michael, look at this. Just made another $16,000 today. This is crazy. My wife is crying for joy right now. You changed our lives. We went from broke to millionaires this year. Thank you so much. We don't know what to say. You are amazing. Great. You won't believe how 